0: You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to Garibaldi Red, the Nottingham Forest podcast from Nottinghamshire Live. My name is Matt Davis and I'm joined today by former Reds defender Craig Armstrong and Forest fan, Forza Garibaldi co-founder Greg Mitchell. Craig, uh, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Not bad at all. Good, 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 good. And Greg, you've had a busy day with puppy training. How are you?
1: Yeah, good as ever. all right. Got through it.
0: (laughs) That's the main thing. That's the main thing, as it is every day at the moment. Um, Right. Obviously, we're going to talk a lot about Nottingham Forest, but I wanted to start talking about about the European Super League. It's kind of the thing that's dominated the agenda so much in the last uh, day or two. Greg, I'll I'll probably start with you because you're a big part of a fans group. Um, What do you make of these proposals, bearing in mind Nottingham Forest history in the European Cup?
1: a single one single ounce of good thing about it it's a disgrace just like many people have said um the thing that keeps annoying me I keep seeing people saying well Forest should be in it because we've got two European cups. not one team should be in it it's just such an awful idea just fed by greed it's the three main American owners that are trying to run it like they do their American football teams which will never work over here um it's just a, a horrible, evil idea from top to bottom. And, you know, I don't know whether the timing's right, but the Europe, now UEFA have managed to just creep in their 36-team Champions League thing. So if you, if you finish six in the Premier League, you're going to get in the Champions League now anyway. So it's like that bit of bad news has just been brushed under the carpet. But it sounds like this Super League's happening, which I find incredible. Uh, but it's down to the fans of every one of their clubs just to not support I know it's gonna be hard for them, I couldn't imagine it with Forrest, but not support what their team are doing now, not go to the games when you're allowed next year. Do what the Spear and Cop have done in Liverpool, they're taking all their flags down from the cop now as we speak. And you know, I've not I've rarely got good things to say about Liverpool, but they're support a scene and, you know, the, the way they react to some of their club's news is bang on today. The Man United fans have been bang on as well. Um I just don't understand it. It's just sad. It's a real sad day for football. I've been listening to the radio about it today. It's just it's just where, the, where it's been going for years. I want to see my club come out and, you know, speak strongly against it. I think every single Forest fan wants to see Forest do that. Um, and I hope they do. It's just sad. There's not one good thing to say about any of the last the news over the 24 hours.
0: What about you from a former player's point of view, Craig? Can you see any merits in the proposals at all?
2: I think it's crazy. I, I, I agree with Greg. It's um, I, I don't understand the thought process behind it because other than money, because the Champions League generates that much money anyway, I, I think it takes the competition element out of it. The fact that these founded clubs can't be relegated um, and they're on about... I've read something about possibly 20 teams being in this, this Super League. It, I think it's just crazy. I think it's it's bad for football and listening to the radio like like Greg said it and listening to what a lot of people are, are talking about is that the FA, the FIFA, UEFA are all going to get involved and, and even the government to, to try and stop this from not hap- Well, not allowing this to happen.
0: What do you think the chat will be like in dressing rooms for these six clubs at the moment? Some players, the younger ones, might not be too fussed, but I can't imagine like a Jordan Henderson is going to be too enamoured with it. What, what do you think? Or Klopp as well? What do you think people will be saying within the dressing rooms?
2: I, I just think it's um, how it's, it's a difficult one because we all want to we all want to compete as as, as elite athletes. Everyone wants to compete at the highest level and. And they're already doing that. If, if you're a good footballer, you're playing for your national side, and you're playing in the in the top, you know, the World Cups and, and European Championships. I just think that I'd, I'm not sure I'd enjoy playing against an AC Milan and Inter Milan and just a Juventus. Uh, and, and I'm led to believe that Germany or the German sides won't won't be entering the, the tournament or the competition because 51 of of German football is owned by fans and, and not the chairman and. I just think it will be, you might have seven or eight clubs within that structure who you can play week in, week out. There's going to be no derby games. And I think, yes, I know they want to still, or they they think they're still going to be allowed to play in the Premier League. And this is a format that's meant to replace the, I think, is it the the Champions League. But if the Premier League is saying what what they are talking about, kicking out these teams and, and, and sort of punishing them, then... I just think it'll be a a bit like America where you're in a a league in America where you can't get relegated and you can't get promoted. You can only stay in that league if you've got money.
0: When you look at Forest history, those two stars on the shirts, Greg, it's kind of what sets Forest apart from so many clubs. And now they're going to kind of stop that dream from happening for for virtually every team in, in Europe now. I mean, do you think fans can get together and stop this, they're so marginalised. Can the fans still have the power to do anything?
1: It's pure greed. You know, it's just, a, it's, a, it's awful. It's a corporate, you know, it's typical American franchise. That's all it's going to be, a franchise league. Um, I'm not looking at Arsenal fans, Spurs fans, Chelsea fans to do anything. That's a waste of time. It's got to be the Man U and the Liverpool fans doing something really strong against their clubs. Jürgen Klopp spoke out about it in 2009 and, you know, he's seen as quite a passionate, you know, heart on his sleeve man. I want to hear him come out. You know, it could cost him his job. He might want to walk away from his job now. He only seems to go to these certain clubs that that really have a, uh, you know, what's the word, like an identity about them. And, you know, Liverpool have not just sold out, they've sold out all the other clubs in their league. It, It is disgraceful. You, you know, I kick every team out of it now. You know, let Leicester win the league again. I, I couldn't care anymore. The, the enjoyment about seeing Derby struggle at the minute—that's gone now. I couldn't care. It's just sapped everything you love about football. I know it's been going on for years, but today, last night, was just—it's almost the final straw. I'd love to know. You know, Olympiakos are obviously a close oh. team to us, but they're massively affected by it. I can't wait to see what their stance is going to be, because you'd hope Forest's stance would closely follow that, obviously. Mm,
0: true, true. Um, right, let's turn our attention to Nottingham Forest then and what happened at the weekend, looking ahead to the next few games of this um, pretty miserable season all round. But um, Greg, you watched Forest in full at the weekend against Huddersfield. What went wrong? I mean, they sound like they started well. What was your take on it?
1: this is a more positive conversation than the previous (laughs) one Uh, the first 10 minutes were brilliant I sat there with my dad saying I I can't believe we're not 2-0 up we just dominated the 10 minutes and then there was a light switch I don't know what happened but there was nothing after that we just we lost belief Huddersfield grew in confidence and we were never in the game after that Um, I wouldn't say on the beach because we're not officially safe or they you know it looks pretty much certain now but some of these players, some of these loanies they're not guaranteed to get anywhere with their clubs next year. You'd really have thought they'd have put in a real big shift for us. And it was just disappointing. You just want to see us creep over the line now. And, you know, then let, let Houghton try a, new, a few new things. I'm sure there's some under 23s there that could be getting some game time once we're safe. And he was angry. I really enjoyed listening to his interview after. Uh, and he saw what went on, and it, they did, they just switched off. It was disappointing, to say the least.
0: Is um, is on the beach a real thing, uh, Craig, from your experience, if you've ever played in a mid-table team, or is that a bit of a supporter uh, myth?
2: No, I just, I think it's, no, you're never on the beach, you always want to try and win games of football, but I, I just think sometimes, I don't think it helps that there's, you know, I've not been in this, this uh, I've not been in this you know this difficult time we're in at the moment, where you're playing in stadiums where there's actually no fans. Yes, I've played at a few clubs where they, we we get little fans, but there's no fans. And and you know when you when you're playing for Nottingham Forest in front of a full house, they don't have to give you a lift, especially when you start off well. And if you if you, in that first ten minutes, they sort of drag you over the line to possibly get you a goal, and it, it's difficult. And you know they can't get to the playoffs, and and you're right. They're not mathematically safe, but they're not going to go down. I just think it's a disappointing season all around and everyone's entitled to a, an off day. And I just think there's been too many of them this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're right you say everyone's entitled to an off day, but the backlash I noticed on social media, I know social media is not, I don't think it's a representative of the world entirely, but there's no fans in the ground, so all we've got to go on. But The backlash on social media, Greg, was very strong to this defeat. Uh, did you think these players might have more credit in the bank and, as Craig says, they might be allowed an off day? Because they have done well recently. It was a, a very strong reaction to the to the Saturday, wasn't it?
1: was a real danger a couple of months ago that we were in real trouble. And we have. We've pulled away from it. And we've, we've had some good performances against a couple of decent teams. Um, but the frustrations, when we're in the position we're in, with a fan especially, not being able to shout and, you know, the only outlay at the minute is social media, and I, I try and stay off it a lot more after a game. Now it's no good for you; it's no good for anyone. But it's understandable, you know. There's some stupid comments on there, and you think, "What are you saying?" But it's understandable. People are frustrated, frustrated, and there's not a lot of ways at the minute when you're all trapped inside to, to you know, get that out of you. Do you do
0: you like this team as a fan? Uh, and would it, would you like them more if you could actually see them or
1: not? Of course, I want to see them and and support them. You know, this this players on that pitch, you, you Joe Worrells, that just they you can tell they love that crowd, they love that support. I mean, he didn't play badly on Saturday; he's a bad example. But I want to see a proper captain, and this isn't a it's not a dig at grabbing. I just think Joe Worrells, he just, he just seems to get it. For me, he's our obvious club captain. And, you know, after that, maybe a mechanic can come through. But I've never understood the striker being the captain. And obviously, Hewton knows a hell of a lot more than me. But if I could see it and if I could be in that that crowd now, you, you'd get a lot more belief from a captain that just wears it on the sleeve a little bit more. And I, mean, I know uh, Gary was disagreed with me the other week a bit about this, but we just want to see a bit more passion as fans. And I think that's what we've missed this year. We haven't had that person leading us from the front, you know, first out of the tunnel. And we need that. And I think next season that has to be a priority Either to Joe Warrell could easily go to a lower Premier League team. I truly believe he's good enough, but, you know, give Joe Warrell that armband and say, this is your club, take it to the Premier League yourself. Um, or if that's not going to be the option, find us a, a real club captain again, Nothing against Graben. He's a great player. I I just personally don't
0: see him as as our captain. Where do you sign that, Craig? You were Stuart Pierce's understudy for a while. He was that, you know, dumping chest type captain. I mean, do you see Graben as captaincy material? Does it really matter who's got the armband or not?
2: Um, I think it matters if if you're guaranteed to play week in week out. And I'm not saying everyone's guaranteed a spot on the on the team sheet, but when Joel Warrell's fit, he plays. Graben's had a lot of injuries this season, which has kept him out of the out of the side. He had a fantastic season last year, where he, he, you know he scored a lot of goals, and that might have been why Chris gave him the the armband. But listen, it's I don't I don't think it. I think it matters to certain people, but to others, it's about you going out and taking care of your own performance. And at the moment, there's not enough, not Forest players taking the care of their own performance, and never mind helping each other out. So you can write this season off as much as you want, and you can you, we can wish that we have a, a captain who's going to lead the side. But if grabbing captain's aside next season, and and Chris gets the team how he wants them to play, and he goes and scores twenty five goals, no one's actually bothered. It's 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 silly, and and I agree with what Greg's saying is like you want someone with a bit more leadership or a bit more sort of passion, like a Joe. And when when I was there, obviously PC was captain, Steve Chettle was captain, and. These these people sort of bleed at the club, and like Joe does. And I'm not saying grabbing doesn't, but you know, I, you can we can distract from actually what's going on, going wrong on the football pitch by talking about who should be captain and not be captain. Do you think
0: this team's got enough character? And by character, I don't mean well, maybe I do mean like Alan Rogers and Andy Johnson type, you know, madcap character, but also Steve Chettle, Stuart Pierce, you know. Um, mental character? Do you
2: see that in this team or not? Um, it's a difficult one because I mean I I know Joe Joe Warren when I worked at the football club and and, and coached and I, I used to coach Ryan Yates and you know Yates he gets a lot of criticism um, and probably unjustly you know I think he's if you're talking about character and uh, and desire and commitment I think he he is what you know anyone should be. He's a. I think he's a, a true leader. The way he carries himself, the way he trains, the way he carries himself off the pitch. Now, I'm not saying he would make a fantastic captain for the football club, but you know, how would I say? It? Ryan leads by example. Joe leads by example. These are kids that have come through the system. So I think times have changed now, where players come in. The, the finances that are rewarded to to strikers and to top players now, not just strikers, but. It is extortionate, but it's it's just the way the game's gone. So do we have enough character within the side? I think we do. I think we've got some good players. I think Joe Lolly's got to find himself a little bit harshly done to. He's not played enough football this season due to injury. You know, two years ago, we are talking about him going to Villa and and, and the fans were getting frustrated that if he had actually left, how how angry they would have been. I think everyone's got to take responsibility when they step over the white line, and I think every single one of them have got to put a performance in. So, whether you've got an armband or not, everyone should be leading by example. Especially, you know, when it means so much to 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 me as a when I played, it meant a lot to me—not just me, but everyone else and the fans and, and and the club.
0: You mentioned Lolly. I wanted to get your take on knockhart as as a, a fullback um, yourself. And Knockart's out of form, and he had a poor game on Saturday, by all accounts. If you had him in front of you on the left wing, would you think do you make allowances for the moments of genius and then the stuff that goes wrong, or do you think, come on, mate, we need a bit more end product here, especially when he's not playing well at the moment?
2: I just think you just gotta give him the ball. I think that was something that Brian Clough used to say for fullbacks. It was I think it was stop the cross and and wingers go and put the ball in the box and, and work a bit of magic. And I think my my first job was a fullback was to defend and his first job is to attack and he he they're the risk takers so the lollies the knockouts, the amiobis and players like this this sort of caliber are the risk takers and, and yes he might be lacking a bit of inconsistency at the moment but when he's on form and when he's on fire no one can live with him no one can live with Joe lolly when when they're playing well no one can live with amiobi's power and strength and pace and so sometimes his unpredict- predict- unpredictability these are these are top players who who for whatever reason at the moment are just again having a bit of a a sort of a dip in form. Um and I I just think that just goes again with maybe the lack of fans in the stadium and the the lack of atmosphere and and also I suppose the the poor start of the season that we've had.
0: Gary Bertels talks about his lack of end products quite a lot on this this podcast and making the wrong decisions. Do you see that in knockout as well then, Craig, having you know played the
2: game yourself. Um, yeah. There's there's always been. I mean, it's hard because I don't watch Forest week in week out, and and you only get to see a lot of highlights, so you don't get to see actually how he's doing. And you know, the managers work with him at Brighton, knows what he's capable of. He's worked with him now at Nottingham Forest. He knows what he's capable of. This boy's a he's got ability, and and he's just having a tough time at the moment where he's not creating as many chances as what you'd like. I just think that just fits into the way Nottingham Forest are playing as a as a team, and you know, in, in all fairness to Chris, I think he's he, he's come to this club and stabilised it because it was if he hadn't have took this job, this club would have been looking at relegation in the face. And I think he stabilised uh, a poor start of the season. And I think you've just got to wait and be patient. And and we keep talking about being patient and let him let him be given a a war chest as such that is fit into the championship and let's see what he can do and judge someone next season. If we can keep a hold of knockout and, and see if we can get some consistency out of him, I'm sure, I'm sure he'll come good.
0: How do you view him, Greg? Because I think the consensus on here that we've always had when you've been on is that if we can get him back on loan next season, it's a good deal. Have you kind of soured on that a bit now because it would take a chunk of the budget up or not?
1: Um, I t- he wouldn't be my first loanee back at the club and also wages are going to be huge. He he is a quality player. You've seen it so many times for other teams and a few times for us. Maybe it doesn't help him that we've got some really decent midfielders now. You know, Martin's just coming on each game. Kravinovic is there. He's a skillful. Um, And it's like, I don't know, maybe he's getting frustrated. He doesn't see as much as the ball. But of course, I'd have him back. But I'd be a bit worried if we were to buy him and spend all that money on him, you know, with with the other options out there and the players we've got out on loan at the minute which could come back to the club, um who we're already paying for, you know. So he wouldn't he wouldn't be on the top of my list, but of course if he was in that squad next season I'm certainly not going to moan about it because his quality does often shine through, just maybe not so much recently.
0: What have you made of the back four this season? Craig? Do you kind of like what you see now? I don't know how much you've seen of Blackett, but you'll have seen quite a lot of the other three. What Do you think there's a yeah, place
2: there? It's again, it's you, we've missed a lot of players through injury and I think Christie's obviously been more consistent with, with form. Um, you know, am I a big fan of him? I don't know much about him. He, he's, he has sort of come the long way and, and gone into a bit of non-league as well and come back and it, isn't it, he's athletic, he gets forward, he offers a threat going forward and and he's got decent pace to recover, to to defend. And I just think at the moment, it's, I don't think we've, we've had enough continuity within a back four. And that's not just with um, Chris Hewton, it's also with Karanka when he was here and the previous managers, there's been too many chops and changes or injuries, new players coming in, new players going out. Um, I think, Obviously, Chris Hewton's tried to stabilise the back four as often as he can and play the same back fours as many times as possible, but it's never always been the case, has it?
0: I guess you're going to tell me you want Joe Worrell to stay. I mean, what, what do you make of him? You know him as a kid, so tell us about Joe.
2: Yeah, um, listen, he's going to be difficult to replace. He's he's come through the system. He knows what it's, it's about. To play for the football club because he he was he's a Forest fan, and he's again he's got great character. But you know, knowing what Joe's like as a person, I'm sure he wants to play at the highest level he can. He went over to Glasgow, Glasgow went up to Glasgow Rangers. Um, on the contrary what people say that he struggled. I don't think he did. I think he actually did quite well. I think he had a couple of again blips, few poor performances to what he could possibly possibly put out. And, and people think that he's not had a great great time up there, but he has. And he's come back and it's made him a stronger person, made made him a better better player. But it's always, it's been refuted that um, Burnley and a few other sort of your lower end sort of Premier League sides uh, have been after him for a while. If I'm Joe Worrell uh, and I can see some sort of, I don't know, how would I, how do you say it? The, the football club wanting to move forward and and... Chris being given money to spend and then maybe you might have one more season of it but sometimes the football club can't turn down money and you have to balance books and if someone comes in and offers decent money for Joe Worrell I'm sure that the club would look at selling him.
0: Is it is there always that temptation that you mentioned one more season is there always that temptation for a young lad who loves the lo- his local club just to say one more season do you think Craig?
2: It's not I'm sure Joe's financially secure now I'm sure I'm not you know, again, we talk about the money, and it's 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 sort of relevant to to the times we're in. If he if it's not about money, then yeah, maybe one more season. And yet again, if it's not about money, and it's he wants to try and compete at the highest level. Everyone wants to play in the Premier League, apart from obviously Chelsea and 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 Liverpool and all them, <laughs> them teams we spoke about earlier. <laughs> but everyone wants to play in the Premier League. It's the best league in the world. It's the most competitive league. Anyone can be anyone on on, on the day, um, you know. For me, Joe would be stupid not to listen to offers if offers come in. But that's only going to be governed by the owner of the football club. If the if the books need balancing and Joe's your most assailable asset, just like Matty Cash was last season, then I'm sure I'm sure that um, Joe might actually not have a say in the matter, and it might be took out of his hands. And you know, sometimes being took out of his hands might make a, a decision that he's got to make a little bit easier because if he leaves and wants to leave, fans are going to hate him. If he stays and he, and he wants to stay but he's sold, it's a little bit different, isn't it? And it's I think that's that's how you got to look at it.
0: It's hard, isn't it, Greg? Because we hear former pros like Craig come on this podcast and they they're quite blunt and honest and saying you know if if the move's there and the opportunity's there then you'd be mad not to take it wouldn't you and that does that hurt as a a fan to hear that or are you realistic?
1: I didn't like how much Craig was talking about him then I'm thinking he's going to have him off (laughs) for one of his clubs it's working for because you do expect it with Joe do you know the the one thing I always think about with Joe Warrell is when he was playing for Rangers, you know, in the, in the, the old firm derbies in front of 60,000 people, he was still saying he wanted to play at Forest. You know, he was playing in some of the world's biggest games, whether you like Scottish football or not. They're some of the most famous derbies. And I think they beat Celtic and uh, they, he was asked if he was staying at Rangers. And I can't remember the quote exactly, but he was like, no, Nottingham Forest is my team. I want to be back there next season. And that's when I thought, wow, what a player! But I, I will be honest, it, if he was to leave, I, I wouldn't hate him. I think he's gave Forest a hell of a lot through his youth playing and now, and I'd be absolutely gutted to see him go. I really would, but I'd still be proud that he was a Forest player, uh, yeah. and he'll go on to to big things. I just I hope we've got the ambition and the, and the drive to to offer him something that makes him want to stay. And, you know, pushes on next season, getting the Premier League with us rather than play for someone else.
0: Mm, true, true. I wanted to sort of switch the conversation a little bit and talk about young players and what are bringing them through. I mean, Craig, you've worked for the FA and you've worked for Arsenal and now you work for Crystal Palace, spotting young talents. Can you kind of explain to viewers and listeners what kind of the it factor is? I don't know who, if there is one when you spot them. Can you just uh-huh. tell what the
2: players got it? Is there an it factor? I suppose it, everyone has their own idea what a footballer looks like, depending on what age they are. Um, listen, everyone has ability, you know. Within academy football or even grassroots, it's I suppose it's trying to find the level they're at. Um, when you're talking about Alex Mighton and you're looking at Brendan Johnson, you know uh, Brennan I think is a year older than Alex, or maybe even two years older than Alex now. Their age group was was a was a very well Brennan's age group was a fantastic age group with Arvin Apire and a um, few of the boys are still within the academy now. What do you look for? I look for something that sort of <laughs> without, without without sounding so silly, something that excites me with with what they can do with the football. What they, you know if he's a fullback, you know the left-footed boy, because I'm left-footed myself, it's Sort of, you get attracted more to left-sided players. What do they do with the ball? How do they use it? Do they get forward? Do they score goals? Can they cross the ball? Can they defend? Listen, the, 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 it's hard to explain, but the players out there that are, are talented players, you can see them. I think in my job, when I'm in recruitment, it's trying to find the ones that are maybe a little bit under the radar, a little bit sort of, can you see the potential? You know, can you predict this? It's very difficult to predict what someone's going to turn into, what someone's going to turn turn out to look like. So if I take Brendan Johnson for prime example, Brennan going to Lincoln is probably the best thing he's ever done because it's made him grow up. He's playing against men week in, week out. He's physically changed um, immensely. He's now added more things to his game. He's he's now playing as a a, a number nine striker, but dropping in and linking the player. And he's scoring goals and he's creating goals. And it, and it beats playing 23s football. It beats it because you you actually, as much as you play for points in under 23s and under 18s football, and you can still win leagues. It, the, everyone wants to play in the first team. Everyone wants to go and play for Nottingham Forest or, Brendan's case playing for Lincoln City and, and trying to get promoted and, and win championships or win for League One titles and getting Team of the Years. And, you know, that's what it's about. It's about actually going out on a Saturday, crossing a white line and trying to get three points and how much it means. And if you don't get them three points and you haven't had a good game, it affects you and it, and it, it can upset you and it can, because we talk about social media, people on social media will hammer you. And, and, and you know, as much as we talk about, you shouldn't read read what people talk about, you do. It's a natural thing. It's, it's human nature to want to know what people are talking about you and what they're saying. So, again, just, I suppose, to put in a nutshell, when you're looking at any sort of talent, it's just something that, I suppose, excites you because anyone can pick the best players out. You know the Phil Fordens, the Jane Sancho's, Anyone can see them. It's it's what you can't see. It's it's what someone. I'm, I'm probably talking a little bit too much here, but it's 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 a difficult thing to to sort of talk about. You know, there's a lot of good footballers. Um, I think the hardest thing that everyone needs to recognise is actually if you think about. How many actually footballers make elite, elite players? I think you're looking at 0.04% of actual all-academy products will make an elite footballer. So you can imagine the fine margins it is. So you're looking at a needle in a haystack when you're going out watching games of football, especially if you want to try and get the best of the best.
0: What you say is very interesting. Do you look at character of a kid of 13 or 14, if he's a bit gobby on the pitch? Does that... Bother you because you're going to change as a young man or are you just, are you looking purely at talent when you're watching players now?
2: Um, no, you look at character as well. You look, if you can find someone with a bit of character, someone who's got that desire and, and, and I suppose a little bit like uh, a Ryan Yates and a Joe Warrell. Ryan Yates at 13, 14 was exactly the same he was then as he is now. You know, um, he probably needed to improve a little bit more technically but always had the commitment, the desire to get around a football pitch and, and 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 want to win. He yeah, had that winning mentality, and so did Joe and and not just him. There's there's loads of the boys at the academy that have got that sort of mentality. Alex Mighton's the same, Brendan Johnson, they all want to win games of football. I think I think what you've got to be mindful of is that we can all go and watch an under twelve footballer or a thirteen footballer and and see how they develop and how they're growing at twelve thirteen. And they could be throwing their arms up and and walking around and sulking and you know, but these are still young adults or young kids who who haven't even grown yet. And you might never see the best of them until the 1920, you know, they might actually, we don't know what's going on at home. We don't know what their, their family life's like, you know, are or they, are they, do they come from a deprived area? Do they actually single parent families, you know, house food being put on the table? Unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of kids in in academies that, Mum and dads are struggling to bring the kids in Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, or Tuesday, Thursday, or how four or five times a week to play football and don't get any money. There's a lot of academies don't pay any money to parents to, to bring these kids in. So you can understand the financial strain that there is on, on, on the families, on the boys, and and not just that, the pressures of of a mum and dad seeing how much players get paid now. Actually, some parents think that their child's the meal ticket of, of them coming out of, of maybe a difficult um, sort of life. And then the kids have more pressure on them. And and sometimes they play too much football and, and they don't play enough of other sports. So what ends up happening is they end up um, falling out of love with the game. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it people fall out of love with it and then come back. I've seen people... You know, play all the way through and, and have an unbelievable career and, and I've seen people who have been the best talent in the world and just disappear because they don't have the mental strength or the character to want to go and do it.
0: Do you think a forest quite well placed to to get young talent because they offer this pathway to the first team or are they up against it because now Leicester have moved thirty miles closer? there's Aston Villa nearby and there's always like, top talents going to get picked off by the so-called big six that we were discussing earlier. Where where do you think Forrest stand in the food chain of youth development now?
2: Um, Forrest have, have always recruited really well when when Paul Hart and Nick Marshall were here and then obviously Gary Brazil's took over from Nick. And, um, you know, there's a there's a lot of good talent within the academy and, and Forrest have always done a fantastic job. Even when I came through, you know, obviously times have changed now. You can't recruit from out of area until until a certain age, until 14, 15 now. Um, and you've got to have schools in place and, and a lot more money to to bring these types of players in. Where for sitting at the moment, I don't think it's helped Leicester have moved the training ground into a, in, into a, into the Nottinghamshire footprint, where they can now recruit from under sevens, eights, nines. I think it's going to cause a lot of problems for, for Nottingham Forest. I think Nottingham Forest going for category one's a, a fantastic decision made by the football club. Because a a Nottingham Forest or a, a player within the Nottingham Forest catchment area who's gone to Derby or gone to to Leicester, now knowing that they're going to be have a have exactly the same games programme as, as your Chelsea's and your Man City's and your Man Uniteds, I think will keep the better players within the area. I do generally think that it's it's getting harder and harder, regardless, because you've got Man United on the on the doorstep who can who can move players up. Liverpool can do it. They did it with a boy from Lotts County, Jack Ben, moved him up a fourteen year old. Um, you've got Chelsea will move. You've got Man City will move. Uh, Man City offer a private school and and give the kids education all the way through, even if they're released in, uh, earlier than expected. It's getting harder and harder, and and I think. If the club has a strategy, yes, they want to get the Premier League. I do think the strategy needs to change slightly because I don't think the strategy is based around the academy. I think we've been very, very lucky to get players into the first team, and I think it's all a lot of it's come from financial fair play. I also think it's come from when Gary Brazil has took over as man as manager and then put Ben Brereton into the squad and played him and played a few other boys, which they've managed to keep themselves in and around it. Um, but that can't continue. And if we don't invest as a football club in the younger age groups and spend more money in youth development, then Forrest are going to fall by the wayside, just like a lot of other football clubs will.
0: Where are you on that, Greg? Are you encouraged or alarmed by what Craig says there? there some worrying
1: things there, but some encouraging things as well, I guess. Fascinating listening to you, Craig, because it's so easy to 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 see now, you know, Leicester moving things. They've, they've done that on purpose. You know, they've got away from the London area. That's like, you know, it's this swamp with talent down there and they've, they've moved into our patch and it's very clever from them. Um, and I agree that, you know, like we have been we've got an incredible academy. But I do feel sometimes it's it's been through luck. Like these players, every year seem to being able to sell one and get us get us out of a pickle and get us away from financial fair play stuff. Um, as important as the new stand that we're all hoping and waiting for good news on, of course we want to see Cat One and we want to see a a more fitting academy for a, for a club of our size. You know, none of us get to see inside that place, but it. You know, when you look what Leicester have built down the road, God, if we could build something similar to that, I mean, what a, what a statement that would be. Um, going quite far back to what Craig was saying, it was really interesting when he was talking about Ryan Yates and, you know, a little bit connected on the social media. Ryan Yates the other day played a good game and he he still got more stick than any other player on that pitch. in. You talk about young professionals and I don't know whether you watched Joe Orrell's day in the life of that Forrest did. He said that the one player that's there an hour before everyone else at training is Ryan Yates. And I think one day, and I've said this before and I'll I'll still get stick for it. One day he'll play higher than Forrest are and a lot of our fans will look back and say, "Oh, maybe I was a bit harsh on that lad because he's a proper professional and he can do good for us. And I hope he is here for a few more years.
2: Well, I think I think he's he's, you know, just to sort of add to that, I think he's been left out, come back in, been left out, and he keeps coming back because he, he gives you something that it's hard to say. I mean, so Lee Glover used to get a lot of stick by Forest fans back in the day, but Lee Glover was so good to play with as a as a footballer because. Brian Clough always wanted strikers to get all the football. One thing Gloves could do is he could get a hold of it. And sometimes these players go, they're not recognised for what they bring to the side. You know, the idea of a football side is not to have a holder midfielder who's, in an ideal world, you want a Roy Keane who can play, who can tackle, who can get up and down, who can score goals. But, (coughs) excuse me, the idea of of a Ryan Yates is you've got him in a side and you bring and you recruit better players around him. Who are good on the football and all Ryan Yates should do is win the ball back. He's good enough to play on the ball and just give it the people who are good at it, at, at, at using the ball and pump crossing the box. Because and one thing he does is he does get in the box and he does get the opportunity to score goals. And I'm just using that as an example, just to, to add to the the academy. Forrest are a very very good academy and have always been a good academy. And, and you'll see all the players that have come through from obviously Scott Gemmels and that before that loads and loads of players came through the system. I think just to sort of add, Leicester have gone and built a brand new training ground, which is, it is phenomenal. It is out of this world. Aston Villa have just expanded their training ground, which is out of this world. Derby have expanded their training ground, which is phenomenal. So Forrest going into category one is, is a good statement for Nottingham because we might not be able to compete at the moment with the training ground, even though we've got fantastic facilities, but we can compete with the level of football that these teams are playing at. So it it means that your Nottingham based players can don't have to go to Derby and play against the teams that want like the Man United's Forest will play them. So it makes us as a football club more sustainable, I think, to get better players and, and recruit better players. I think Again, to add to sort of this Super League, sort of the Man Cities and the Man United's, the richer clubs will get richer. And what will happen is your best players are Nottingham Forest, the best players are Derby um, and Aston Villa to a certain extent. Even Leicester will will go to your Chelsea's, your Man Cities and your Man United's and, and Liverpool's. And unfortunately, that's just where we are on a food chain.
0: Um, one of the questions we had from a viewer, Craig, for you was who's ready in our academy now? I mean, I don't know how much you've seen of Fauna and Gabriel and and lads like that, but are there uh, obviously Maiten and Johnson? Are there players who you think are ready for Forest in the very near future, or if not
2: now? I think Brennan w- will be more closer to sort of making it more of an impact for him. Now he's he's had this you know fifty odd games in in at Lincoln. Um, I think he's got sixteen goals and fourteen assists, or fourteen goals and sixteen assists. So something like that, you know. So he. he he's done fantastically well in a in a side that's had a little bit of a blip of late as well because they lost some senior players. Um, Tyrese Fauna was a release from Brighton um, he has all the ability to be a top, top player, he's quick, he's athletic, good range of passing, airily very good, can get box to box um, can tackle you know but it, when I used to watch him play 23s football, you were always waiting for him to put in that perfect performance and that consistency of putting all his game together. He's a one that could come again, uh, maybe another loan, a little bit like Yeti. Yeti went out on a couple of loans before he actually got into Forrest's team. So maybe a, a, another loan, if it's a better loan to a championship club or or a, a club closer to the top of League One. Um, Jordan Gabriel... It, He's got an opportunity and he's got a chance. Dependent on what happens with with the fullbacks we already have at the football club, um, is he good enough long term to where Forrest want to get to? You are never going to know until you play him and until you actually test him at the at the level we're at. He came into the first team a couple of times this season. I don't think he did as well as what he could have, um, and hence he's gone out on loan and he's starting to establish himself in 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 the League One side, who's who's performing very well week in week out.
0: How important is it to you, Greg, that these players actually come through? Is, is it uh, desperately important? Would you you'd much rather see a developing 20-year-old Jordan Gabriel than a 30-year-old finished article Cyrus Christie or not?
1: Definitely. Whether, you know, August next season, when that first game kicks off, probably, you know, not in the first team, but I want to see him eventually being in that position instead of a Christie, of course. Um Again, with with like Johnson, he's a player that if we were linked, I keep seeing this on social media, but I'm going to steal it because it's so true that if he's a player that we were linked with, we'd all be so excited now. We've already got him. Nobody seems to be that excited about having him. And you worry whether he's doing that well, that it will just bypass us and we won't ever really see him play for Forest. You know, in his current form, you'd be so excited about being linked with him. And for me, he's a must-get. You know, see how he is in pre-season. You know, get, get excited about these players like we have done before because they're the ones that can, you know, keep your club going more than anything, especially in the current climate if we get a few good seasons out of them. Um, so it's massive. Of course, every person in that stadium wants to see one of their own playing for them rather than a, a lone you who can't get into the Premier League team that they're playing for. But deep down, that's where they want to be.
0: Um just bring it back to this current season then um Craig, it's Birmingham on Wednesday night with uh, four games to go, five games to go. I mean, how important is it for dressing room morale going into next season that for us actually finish the season strongly?
2: Well, you've got players playing for contracts. You've got Knockard. you've got Christie who are on loan from you know f- from Fulham and um these boys are playing for contracts, I'm sure they they they've enjoyed the time, they're playing. Majority week in week out, um, Knockard likes the managers. Played for the manager before, so not just them. You've, you're playing for positions for next season because you put a, a good performance in from now until the end of the season. And listen, they should have been doing that already. But you've, you're 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 playing for a position next year because if Chris Hughton is given any money whatsoever to spend, you don't want to be one he's replacing. You want to be the one that he's thinking of of buying someone that fit around you. And, and getting the, the squad a lot stronger. I think the difficult thing is again, not playing in front of a crowd. Birmingham fighting for them live still. An old manager come back to the city ground. It, it's you know he's going to want to win, but for should have you know they should have personal pride be, above anything else to actually put a performance in and, and prove why they're in a, why they why they've got the, actually the starting eleven shirt.
0: Have you? So your mind my change at all on next season squad, Greg. I think you've been on here before and said, you know, we don't need massive changes. We need four or five good signings. I mean, do you kind of veer from four or five good signings to 10 or 11 and start again, or are you pretty comfortable?
1: Uh, we can't keep starting again. Chris Houghton, I'm excited about Chris Houghton next year because like we've seen in previous years, he has a, he gets through his first ropey season watching, seeing exactly what he needs. And I think he'll be shrewd and, we tried the overhaul this year, and it was a disaster at the start, and we nearly didn't get through it. Let's be honest. So, again, maybe make a couple of these lonies permanent if we think they're they're good enough for us, and just buy a couple more. You know, top goal scorer, joint top goal scorers own goals. That's that's embarrassing, isn't it? We need to we need to get either more support for our strikers or some hungry goal scoring, hungry strikers as well. That that's obvious. But no, I don't want to see five loans and ten new players. It's just not going to work for us and it's it's not going to work for Chris either, I couldn't imagine.
0: Do you think the players will want continuity, Craig, after the upheaval of last summer? Will they be dreading that again or not?
2: Yeah, of course they will, but some of these players will have two, three years left on the contract being paid good money. So it's, you know, can the, like Greg said, can the club keep, Chopping and changing personnel and and getting rid of players can't afford to do that as a football club. That's why my worry would be for the younger talent that we've got at this football club—the Alex Maitens and the and the Brendan Johnsons and even Jordan Gabriels and, and Thierry Fauna. These boys are performing well, and someone wants to buy them. This this chairman's done it before, and the owner of the fo- the owner of the football club sorry sold sold our our so called best talent, you know that's the worrying thing is that as much as we want to see the young talent coming through, we don't get them long enough because we have to balance books and we have to balance is because the owners either recruited players from Olympiacos or from different parts of the world for whatever reason and not good enough for this football club. And then we end up struggling with the financial fair play. So, They can't keep doing what they're doing. They've got to make a stance. Chris is going to have to work with what he's got with one or two, maybe three additions. Definitely need a striker. Definitely need a goal scorer um, who's going to score you 25, 30 goals a season. And even when they're playing poorly, and at the moment grabbing, if he's not playing well, isn't scoring. So we need something because if you can't put the ball in the back of the net, you've got no chance of winning games. Do you
0: think Graben, Taylor, and to a lesser extent Murray, would they be embarrassed by this four-goal top scorer, four-goal, four own goals thing? Would that that should hurt them, shouldn't it? As
2: strikers, um, maybe, yeah, possibly. Yeah, of course, it would hurt anyone. But you've got to look at the system we played. Are we still playing three up top, one down the middle, one off them? What happened to 4-4-2, putting two strikers up top and actually getting the ball in the box? You know, if you look at anyone who does that unbelievably in the Premier League, that's Burnley. Wherever you watch them play, the ball comes in the box and they've got two strikers in there. And they're not the most gifted squad in the the league to any stretch of imagination, but they put the ball in the box. It's I know we talk about the games evolved and you've you've got to be able to adapt to playing three at the back and five and four in midfield or three up top. But we complicate I think coaching's got complicated. There's nothing complicated about a game of football. It's 1v1s on a football pitch or 2v1s, it's not 11v11 anymore, it's dominate your opponent, you've got half a chance, put the ball in the box and get your strikers in there and get people in the box and you'll score goals and I just think you might not see the best of what Chris has got to offer because when he came in, we were struggling and he's had to consolidate and he's had to sort of get some sort of continuity within the squad, within within the football club and sort of stop the rot to say, and yes it's been a disappointing season but I'm looking at this and thinking it's actually been a good season because if we didn't have Chris Hewton, I think we have nailed on for relegation.
0: Um, I'm just going to finish the podcast for the last five minutes. So we're bringing in my colleague from Birmingham Live, Brian Dick, who covers Birmingham City, obviously Forest Play on Wednesday. Brian, thanks for joining us. Um, Craig talks about, you know, football's become complicated. I mean, tell us about what Lee Bowie has done at, at, at Birmingham to turn them around so dramatically.
3: It's almost like Craig's had uh, Lee Bowyer's notes. Uh, judging by from what he's saying, uh, Lee Bowyer has absolutely simplified it and he's made no secret of, of pretending he's coming in and reinvented the wheel. He said, for, he's basically said football is not complicated. It's if you've got Lucas Dukovic up front, uh, as far as fans w- will, uh, w- will recognize that name, get the ball into him. And if he doesn't score something, will break. And, uh, and the flip side of that is is that they've gone three at the back and they've, they've played three rugged centre halves and uh, they've they've stopped stopped goals going in one end and they've just eked out just enough not not many but just enough to uh, to win four of six games. So uh, I, mean, I mean Craig's message there is almost word for word what Lee Bowyer has been saying to his players and saying to us as the media.
0: What can you tell oh, Forest fans Forest. about Karanka's spell? Because Forest fans have a, an interesting Karanka. He's quite well respected here, but it just went disastrously wrong at St Andrews, didn't it?
3: Yeah, absolutely did. Um, uh, I mean, uh, Blues. Are, I think Blues are safe now, um, uh, but you know there are plenty of fans who would would have wanted to see Karanka Karanka removed. Probably a month earlier, um, there was a, there was an absolutely wretched home defeat to Luton, uh, in in which Blues just barely they barely threw a punch, and that was they they, they steadied a little bit, picked up a couple of points here and there, uh, and then it, then it, it carried on. But but by the end, you know the the atmosphere around the club, the atmosphere at the training ground, the atmosphere amongst the squad, you know, it was really downcast and moribund, and and. You know, the more inevitably, when a manager goes, you you, you hear things leaking out, and and it, and it just sounded like it wasn't a moment too soon. To be honest with you, um, if I don't know if, if fans would be interested, Forest fans would be interested in a little potted his seven month history of, of how it went. I think he was large. Kerenka was largely well well received uh, when he was um, when he was made Blues boss. I was certainly really chuffed. Um, I was concerned that they wouldn't get somebody of. Of of decent pedigree, but they did. Uh, When Karanka came in, the three-year contract and the three-year plan made sense, given given the given the struggles that they'd had in the last few seasons. And initially, um, things did certainly the defence tightened up. They'd been an absolute colander uh, towards the end towards the end of last season, and Karanka came in and tightened up the defence. And you were almost prepared to to put up with the uh, the lack of uh, attacking enterprise for a few weeks. And then it just seemed to get locked in a cycle of changing the formation, changing the players, not, not deciding that he couldn't play the four-two-three-one because the number ten wasn't wasn't right. Um, then it started conceding City goals. He went to three at the back, went to five at the back, went to tried four at the back, and he just ended up going around in circles. And all the time, the uh, the the situation becomes more desperate and more difficult and um, Blues become more fearful and that translates into their tactics and it was just a negative spiral. Uh, and as I said at the start, um, it wasn't a moment too soon. It, uh, in fact, it might have been a few moments too late.
0: Um, Greg, you're a Karanka fan, I suppose. Are you? Does it pain you to hear that?
1: I mean, I know we spoke about it briefly off air, but you wonder where he's going to go now. You know, he, when he came to Forest, we were and we were excited, and it he started well. Uh, he had a great song for his name as well, but um, it's just a shame. I, I always want to see him do well because I thought he was a, a decent bloke when he was here as well. Um, but yeah, it, it seems to have happened again with him. So whether that's at his door, I imagine it is. So yeah, shame. Do
3: you think
0: I he's thought, done as
1: champ-
3: a championship manager, Brian? Sorry. So I think he's done. Um, no, not necessarily. I, I, I think his his next move will probably be maybe back in Spain or or overseas. Uh, I, I think he's, he potentially uh, w- wants to get back to onto more familiar familiar territory. Um, but you know, you, you see some of the names still get, still getting jobs in in at all levels of football, uh, and I'm not throwing Karanka in there in with 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 the dead men just yet, but. There's, there's always someone that sees. There always seems to be a football owner that sees something in a manager that's maybe played for Real Madrid or has got the pedigree of taking somebody into the Premier League. So I, I wouldn't wouldn't write him off, no. Uh, what I would say to, to, to Greg is, this was just a bad fit. Um, you know, I, without resorting to lazy cliches, I'll resort to lazy cliches. Birmingham City are, are, are like to see uh, their team to be up and at them, in your face, dynamic, pressing, pressing. Um, and, and they just didn't get any of that from, from Karanka's blues. So, it, you know, it, it, maybe I should have spotted the fact it was a bad fit at the outset. As I said earlier, it was just so relieved to get someone with a bit of pedigree.
0: Uh, we'll finish
3: with one <laughs> prediction each then. So, uh, Craig, do you want to make a prediction from a forest
2: point of view, having listened to Brian there? Um, not really. <laughs> I think uh, I, I was mistaken. I forgot Lee Wong would come coming to blues, and, and you're right, he's, He's turned things around massively. Obviously, on social media, I listened to, obviously, um, Paul Devlin and, and Martin O'Connor, talking about, like, this is their club. And obviously, I know Skip, very disappointed how things have turned out. And he, Lee Bowie just worked magic, really. Like you said, simplified things. And, and just touching on what you mentioned about Karanka, he did exactly the same at Forest. Greg, whatever you think, he did exactly the same at Forest. He changed the side so many times, no continuity, no consistency with playing players. Three four changes every game, and I think that was ultimately what cost him his job, and not Forest as well. Um, but going to the going to the to the picture of Birmingham against um, Forest, I've got to go with a Forest win. But it's going to be a tough a tough performance that they're going to have to put in because Birmingham seem to be on a very, really big high at the moment.
0: Last word to you, then, Brian, from the Birmingham camp. Are you expecting a very dour game here, and someone nicking, <laughs> nicking a one
2: Do You know,
3: what? I, I think I, I think a point suits both sides. I don't know if, if, the, if the other guys agree with me. It gets Blues on to forty-nine, um, which is you know obviously clearly very near a fifty-point. Um, Blues Blues haven't conceded a goal for six hours. Um, uh, Forest don't strike me as massively free-scoring, um, so. I'd fairly confidently predict predict a nil at that end. And as a Birmingham City follower, you know I, I know just how well Chris Chris Hewton can organise a defence as well. So um, I, I'm going to sit on the fence and remain firmly on it and go for a nil nil. Well, I'd take that. i take nil. I'll
0: get that 50 points. Right, uh, we'll leave it there. Thanks to everyone who's watched along and everyone who listens to this on iTunes. Do uh, like us and subscribe, then you won't miss an episode when it drops in to your feed. Gentlemen, thanks very much for joining us. I do appreciate it. And we shall see everyone again soon. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.